When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back for the first time since the liver double and a game week 25 where the luminary forwards of FPL failed to fire. Was the reliable Mo Salah yet again delivered handsomely for his owners? I'm joined by Nick, who is fresh from his travels to the European Union. And first time guest, Holly Shand, known to many as at FFCommunity underscore on Twitter. Holly, it's absolutely great to have you on the show. Yeah, I've been waiting a long time for this invite to do the Who Got the Assist pod. So it's great to have finally made it on for an episode um, some of you will probably know me as Fantasy Football Community. I've been playing FPL for about five or six seasons now. The website's been active for over two years. So I've actually gone full-time on FPL this season. Well, I say full-time. Full-time parenting, part-time FPL. But yeah, it's all good. I'm enjoying life. So it's great to be on. Yeah, Holly, great to to have you on the uh, the pod today uh, for the first time, along with myself and and uh, Stag. Yeah, so the, the Stagosaurus has been holding down the uh, shop house this week, really. What with um, Tom in in the uh, lost world of Australia and myself having been away in, in Barcelona, and I only just got back in in the last few hours. So uh, yeah, I've been a bit away as well, uh, but um, managed to do a little bit of scouting, perhaps for future Premier League prospects, and got to see the goat as well, Lionel Messi in action, which was just absolutely amazing. Um, just to say who we are we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter at wgtn score fpl or at wgtn score nick you can find stag at fpl stag and holly at ff community and you can find the podcast on itunes soundcloud spotify wherever you get your pods so the topic of today's pod is an effort at reflecting on the season thus far on the double game week and the game week 25 and on the January transfer business all at the same time. So we're going to try and figure out where we can go from here with a third of the season still in play. We'll have an in-depth discussion on the doubles and the blanks in a few weeks' time with Ben Crellin. So for now, this is a kind of a broader look at the Premier League, looking at who's performing, who should turn their form around as the season continues to develop, and we're going to have to have who's going to keep the good times rolling. And who's likely to be on the beach too, soon too, with um, Pep Guardiola already admitting that City's focus is moving on to the Champions League. Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a little bit of a little look back in terms of the trends of the season and um, and what trends are to come as we sort of, well, not quite the tail end, but we, we start to head in that direction. What with the, the blanks and the doubles coming up, as we said, there's, there's going to be a more focused podcast on the blanks and doubles when we've got a little bit more information, perhaps, and that will be with Ben Krellin. But for now, we're, we're just going to frame the discussion around the current trends. But 
Uh, firstly, we will be doing our usual game week reviews. Um, so I think we're going to just talk about the, the last few game weeks, perhaps um, particularly the most recent one. Holly is our guest. Would you, would you like to talk about your game week and also your season so far? How's it going for you? Well, it's been an up and down season for me. It started off great game week one and then I was well outside of the top million for a good number of weeks. And now I've been sort of between 200k and 400k for about eight weeks now. Um, I feel in my head that I've had a bad couple of game weeks, but I have actually got two green arrows. So I'm on 62 points for game week 25, which was a 50k green arrow for me so I can't really complain I think it was crucial that I had a captain that delivered which has been something that hasn't happened for a good number of weeks so Mo Salah did the business 16 points for him and then outside of him and Trent a clean sheet for Henderson is really all I can talk about that's particularly positive from my side I was tempted to wildcard going into game week 25 and in the end I decided not to and I don't think I'd have ended up with a great deal more points than I've got at the moment but there's a lot of question marks over my side at the moment I've still got a double up on Leicester attackers Danny Ings since I brought him in has done nothing Mane I think we're going to be discussing him shortly and then the defence I've got Lundstrom I've got Rico I've got Kelly I know I need to do something soon but I don't quite know what or when I think that sounds a little bit um, similar to my team, really. I've got a few of those um, same names lurking around. I, I did get rid of Mane, actually, this week. So I, I triple captained him um, for, for, the, uh, for the double game week. And, of course, he only got the one point, the one times three, which is just so depressing, um, especially pre- depressing to use that chip and then see yet another red arrow. So that um, game week 24 was my uh, sixth red arrow in seven game weeks. And it's just been a bit of a downwards trend for my season, which has been, you know, um, quite sad. I'm almost dropping down right up to um, sort of 300k when I was lurking within sort of the peripheries of the top 100k uh, about six game weeks ago. So that was a um, pretty disappointing um game week for me game week 24 but game week 25 I managed to sneak the green arrow um and then I actually transferred out Mane so I got rid of him and I brought in Hongmin Son and that move seemed to really pay off for my team and it also um enabled me to have the cash to change Fardy to um Sergio Aguero and Aguero didn't do anything this game week but Son scored and that was quite important for my team I said Mo Salah and I captained him um so I got the 32 points there but Salah, Son and Trent sort of the only guys that got those returns you know as I said we've got likes of Rico and Lundstrom still around and I've got Matt Target and some of these other people that I've just got to get rid of some of these guys so I'm in a similar position to you Holly in terms of not really sure what where to go from here but we've got plenty of time to to discuss um, that later on in the pod so uh, yes how was your game week stag? So I guess we'll talk about the two game weeks since it's the first time we've been on since the double and that the, the double game week 24 was a bittersweet one for me in that I made transfers I wouldn't have made had I known that we were going to get those City team leaks as late on. So I actually ended up selling Kevin De Bruyne and Raul Jimenez along with the injured Sar to get in Decore, Calvert-Lewin and Sadio Mane. And that kind of, or actually, it's getting Mo Salah. And look, it, I still ended up with a green arrow that week. But what it ended up meaning was that I still ended up having Sergio Aguero, who I captained come game week 25 for a splendid two points, in spite of the fact that he was the uh, 
highest XG underperformer in the league this game week, which is uh, pretty sickening. Uh, overall, then, that meant that I didn't captain Salah, which meant effectively I got a red arrow, uh, 40 points only, 4.9 million game week rank, and back down to 843k again. Maybe going oh, no. back, to, I know, yeah, here we go again. Uh, 200k drop or so. But I think maybe the thing that's emerging for me, I guess, and now that my wild card is also gone, there's questions about the defense that I chose already. I'm starting to wonder whether I was right to tr- keep my trust in Soyonsu. We've already had a stag's take where I decided that Leicester defenders weren't worth holding and yet I still have one in my team I have Lundstrom whose place is now obviously under threat and then there's Duncan Cathcart whose fortunes haven't really been great since I had that wild card so questions really emerging all over yep plenty of questions and it sort of it sort of segues nicely in terms of our topic of discussion for um for the uh, for the game week which is about the season of blips Yeah, so what we've really had is a season of blips so far. And so our main topic this week is inspired by a listener question from Andy Penman on Twitter, who asked us whether there are any actual trends which have been happening this season that we cannot rely on, or whether this season is just turning into one full of short-term blips in form, be them attacking and defensive, and one where we need to really quickly move on and move off as form goes on. Uh, You don't need to be a paleontologist to understand what the fossils of this season tell us. We've already had the really bizarre form of Chelsea's brilliant early season, Spurs' poor start, Arsenal being untrustworthy, but Aubameyang doing well. In game week one, we were wondering, do we need to have Josh King, Callum Wilson, or both? And Bournemouth have been almost relegated. Uh, And then we've also had Man City, who've been performing well below what the stats suggest they should be doing. The Spurs game just this weekend was a prime example where they've had 48 attempts across two games against Spurs and scored twice, whereas Spurs have had six shots against them and scored four times (laughs) this year in the league. So it it has been a weird season. So guys, what do you guys think? Well, I'd say that Captaincy has been a big issue this season. The amount of times the most captain player hasn't delivered has has really hampered a lot of managers' progress, myself included. And then you've got the fact that I think we've probably been a little bit too patient with players who are just being fossils in our side at the moment. So, for example, Jamie Vardy, I've held him way too long now. The uh, underlying stats suggested that he'd been off the boil since Christmas but he's still stinking out my squad, as is Madison. And then Lundstrom, Lord Lundstrom, not so much a Lord anymore, is he? But he's still sat there in my team. Um, a bit too much patience. The, the warning signs have been there uh, for a while, and it's, it's a case of reacting or not reacting, in my case, that's really hampering my side at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting because we we talked about this profiling. I think it was just a, just a couple of um, pods ago, and there was we were talking about oh, this season no one's really taking the hits. We've got these this template. We've all got the same players. There's lack of choice. We all have, and we uh, we pulled out Mane. We pulled out Vardy. We pulled out Lundstrom. And we also pulled out KDB as these guys that have sort of been in our team all season and, and we don't have to do anything with them because there's no no need to take them out. And it's, it's all actually changed a lot since then. So the template's been ripped up. You know, no one really knows who to own. It's now seemingly about sort of Mo Salah, um, who's also overtaken um, KDB as the top scorer in the game. So, like, there's not really been one player that sort of stood up you know, you know, stood out um, over the course of the season as, as the main man, and you know, who's never left our squad. It's, it's changed a lot. You know, it was Jamie Vardy was scoring week in, week out. Now he's gone very quiet. He's had injuries. Mane's had injuries. 
Aguero was injured, but now back in form. You know, even the likes of Raheem Sterling's been extremely mercurial over the course of the season. So we've, we've really not seen much of Sterling at all. And we've seen, you know, the top teams, like you mentioned, Manchester City potentially on the beach soon, but they're, they're not in the title race this season. They're completely out of the picture. Um, and that's the, that's the case for the other top, uh, apart from Liverpool, of course, the other top six sides, Arsenal are sort of in mid-table mediocrity. Um, the likes of Spurs, Chelsea, Manchester United, not doing much better at all either. And, you know, you look at those teams and, and the FPL assets, it's really, it's really empty in terms of the choices you've got. You know, likes of Kane is injured now, likes of Marcus Rashford's injured as well. Um, you've got a few new players that have just been signed, potentially emerging, but we, we don't know what they're like, really. We've seen one game of the likes of Bergwin and uh, Bruno Fernandes. So there's this really like limited choice. And it, you also mentioned Madison Holly. Um, he's a player that's been in my team sort of stinking out, stinking out for a long time now. He's only had one goal and that's his only return since game 17. I'm just hanging on to this guy thinking, what, why are you in my team still? I've got, got to get rid of you. And it is making, um, it is making FPL particularly challenging this season just because they're, you know, trying to spot the trends has, has been really, really difficult. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of choice though either, which which doesn't help. I know there was a lot of discussion last week of, you know, if you sell Mane, where where do you go to? Who's going to be reliable? And the only team that we've been able to rely upon has been Liverpool from an attacking perspective all season. And then the last 10, say, weeks from a defensive perspective. Other than that, there's been just weird random results everywhere where you wouldn't expect it. Yeah, this is the thing, actually, though, Nick. We we talked about how there hadn't been many hits taken compared to previous seasons in that risk episode, as you talked about. And in part, that hasn't changed. The fact is, I guess, we can still say that, you know, you're going to want to keep KTB. You're still going to want to have your three Liverpool assets. And maybe something that maybe changed in previous weeks, but maybe people were wrong to do, was the abandonment of the Sheffield United defence. I know we all had Lundstrom and that factor has changed but the actual consistency of let's say the Sheffield United defense hasn't actually changed like as you guys alluded to of course Liverpool have completely turned around like we've had the situation where they were being trolling us every week and conceding one goal in spite of the underlying stats to a situation where Allison has actually conducted more baptisms than he has conceded goals in the past two months which is <laughs> <laughs> one of the most stunning statistics that I've ever come across it's, a, it's, two, it's, it's two baptisms conducted and one goal conceded by the way for those of you who are wondering <laughs> uh, that, that's just that's just a manic stat isn't it I mean Liverpool defensively have been absolutely ridiculous unfortunately during this period I've only had the one defenders that obviously everyone owns it's Trent I haven't been doubled up at Mane and now he's, he's injured but um, I think yeah if we're going to talk about what, what's to come and what's up next I think Liverpool double defence looks essential probably unless you, you're thinking about getting the Firmino Mane I mean triple up Liverpool essentially you, everyone has to have three Liverpool players that's, that's critical Sheffield United are in a very interesting case because they have um, being fantastic um, over the course of the season and def- very defensively solid. Though um, they are one of the teams now that are going to be blanking in game week 28. So all of us owning Lundstrom, you know, we could do this this straight swap and get in someone like Jack O'Connell or, or Egan or something like that just to, to cover the Sheffield United defence. But it, I, I'm a bit reticent to do it, what with that game week 28 blank. And I'm already looking at a team, for instance, that, I've already got two Manchester City players. I've already got Breedish. So essentially, I'd be bringing in another player um, that's got a blank. So that would be my concern. And 
and I was trying to find teams that would be on the beach as well. And I was, I was looking at the um, the relegation battle, and it is it's, you know completely open. You know, there's there's about ten or so teams that could get relegated still at this stage of the season. So no one's really on the beach. Even even Arsenal are in a little bit of danger, perhaps. But um, it's it's still still really really open. I thought actually Sheffield United could be the only team that could be considered to start thinking about that beach. Maybe um, you know, obviously the likes of Manchester City. Um, probably got Champions League sewn up but um, you know Pep's going to be focusing on those tournaments that he's in which is meaning which is going to mean that you know the likes of Kevin De Bruyne could be rested in the Premier League if an important cup um, game is coming up or an important Champions League game is coming up and that is a little bit of a concern for us owners and the same with Liverpool you know that title I know Pep will keep talking about that title race and how he's going to play his best 11 week in week out but you know how long is that going to last with the other, with the Champions League? That's another little bit of a concern. Liverpool have some fantastic fixtures, by the way, as well. Norwich, West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth, Everton. You know, just it's just a fantastic run. But you do start to worry about um, the risk of rotation because they've got quite a large playing squad um, and plenty of players that will want to get minutes, like um, Orihi and Minamono. If I said that right. Minamino, yeah, and it Minamino. Is actually, <laughs> and and what's also kind of you know it'd be very easy to just think that you know the top four race is still open, so therefore we've got what seven teams kind of pushing for those places. But if we remember last season, it ended up being an extremely slow horse race for about ten game weeks. I remember all the different theories we had about which of the teams are going to push for the top four and who's going to play brilliantly, and that didn't really come to be, which makes this whole entire prediction thing quite difficult and we end up having to go quite week by week but for now which I think yeah, it's a bit of a hot potato wasn't it the whole trying to get top four it was like everyone kept get, being given a guilt edge opportunity to to do it and then the drop silly points yeah absolutely and I think we're kind of finding that those the teams are already starting to rediscover that sort of aspect mm-hmm. of their play again like Leicester look they had their very good run kind of had their title push in quotation marks and that's kind of eroded and now they're not quite delivering the same consistency anymore United are still Manchester United I think they have four points in 2020 it's now February and <laughs> then we've got the regular Arsenal situation, the regular Spurs situation. It just continues. Hard to know. Nick, you had something to come in with? Um, no, I was just going to say, I remember last year that Spurs somehow managed to finish fourth just by being the least rubbish of all, all the teams. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just a complete write of And it's probably going to be the same this year as well. You know, Chelsea are another team that we were excited about early on in the season with their youth players and, you know, the likes of Mason Mountain. And, um, Tammy Abraham emerging from the championship, getting lots of goals and assists, both of them. But apart from sort of Mount's um, couple of assists, um, this game week, that was his first return since game week 15. And, and these teams and these clubs just really dropped off the point in terms of FPL. So it is a, it is a bit of an interesting one this season with the, with the certain, certainly the lack of choice. Um, a lot of those players that we're, we're fans of there's a few injuries lurking around as you know as we mentioned like Rashford as well but even the options we've got there there are very few options out there I think another team we probably should mention briefly is, is Southampton who have a brilliant run of fixtures I think Danny Ings um, has blanked a few games weeks in a row but he's certainly another player that's on my radar they've, they've got Burnley Aston Villa West Ham Newcastle and Norwich up next and have been in relatively decent form so perhaps they're another team that we need to consider uh, but unless anyone else says anything on this, I think we're going to talk briefly about some of the new signings as well. Uh, do, do a little bit of um, live podcast prospecting the prospects on some some of the uh, new players in the Premiership. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, there wasn't a huge amount of business in the early weeks of January, but then suddenly we had a a very late rush with uh, two Fernandes joining the Premier League in Jedson Fernandes and Bruno Fernandes, or Fernandes as he will now become known, and (laughs) Samata getting his his debut goal for Villa as well, or Premier League debut goal at any rate. So we've got some interesting new signings, but are any of them actually FPL talents or are we banding all of them with the wait and see bracket? Holly, what do you think about them? Well, as a whole City fan, I've, I've got interest in Jared Bowen, um, not particularly for the next two, Man City away, Liverpool away, is is going to be a, a wait and see. But certainly beyond that point, I'm quite interested in him. He's been a great player for Hull over the last three seasons and you know I was quite surprised that he didn't get snapped up in the summer so he's finally got his big move and I think he could do really well. Yeah I really like Jared Bowen actually. Um, I was um, quite surprised to see he'd been classified as a midfielder. I mean to be honest it's not like I follow Hull um, as intently as you do Holly but um, to see him classified as a midfielder did interest me and did pique my interest a little bit. Um, so last season, he, he managed 22 goals and, and got four assists, uh, which is really, really impressive. It was only three less than the likes of uh, Neil Mulpay and uh, Tammy Abraham. So, you know, he was competing with these types of guys in terms of the uh, the golden boot within the championship. And also this season as well, he, he had 16 goals and, and six assists in, in 29 um, appearances. So it was delivering on a, on a weekly scale. Um, for Hull in terms of goals and assists and if he can bring that sort of form to the Premiership he's a very young player um, then uh, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on of course he's, he's joined West Ham who have been absolutely abysmal <laughs> over the course of this season and they do have Manchester City and Liverpool up next so he's not one to kind of bring in straight away and, and, and sign up for your teams but certainly I think um, one to monitor and may, may turn out to be integral for West Ham survival in, in the Premier League as well. Yeah, he looks to have been a little bit of shrewd business from them. And I guess maybe talking about maybe is it too soon to have somebody. Schenk Tosun at Palace. He, of course, we mentioned him a few weeks ago because he had started quite strongly against City. And of course, he is injured right now, which, you know, would make you sigh. But is it too soon to be thinking about him in the later weeks when we're looking at wild cards and as the, the blanks and the doubles come around? <laughs> it's just it's just a classic pun, isn't it? Every time Tosson gets a move, you talk about whether it's too soon uh, for him or not. Um, I think uh, I think he is an interesting one. I, I, I'm worried about the Crystal Palace attack. You know, they have been pretty blunt um, recently, haven't they? They seem um, the clean sheets also have tended to have dried up for Crystal Palace, which is a little bit of a concern. But their fixtures have them are going to be turning. They've got. Um, Everton, Newcastle, Brighton, Watford, Bournemouth. So, you know, perhaps um, a player to uh, keep an eye on, though he also has uh, done his hammy in, so, so maybe not. I think um, it looks like Jordan Ayew perhaps uh, would be the man to keep uh, monitoring at Crystal Palace. Yeah, unfortunately that injury. And then there's uh, Watsamata at Villa as well. Like, good debut goal at the weekend. And like he has brilliant quotes in the media about how he's after settling in at the club, that there's a good contingent of players that have welcomed him. Now, like this is a player who didn't score in his last six appearances for Genk, albeit two of those were quite short uh, whilst he was here in Belgium. But what I like about Samada is not so much what he can do himself, but what he may unlock in that he looks to have a very good first touch. And I'm wondering what he could do for the likes of Grealish um, going forward and maybe McGinn when he eventually comes back from injury. He's kind of an interesting player. Did any of you guys get a chance to look at him? 
Yeah, it looks good. It's, I guess it's just that thing with Villa at the moment. We've got a blank coming up. Um, I'd have loved to have got Grealish in on a wild card. And, you know, the fact that Villa have now got that blank was one of the big reasons why I didn't activate the wild card last week. But it could certainly be be good to have a target man there and get a bit more link-up play going on because, you know, Grealish can't carry that team all the way to May. Yeah, I think I do own Jack Grealish, but I am wondering whether his, his time's up. Just, I mean, looking at Villa's fixtures, it's Spurs next, Southampton, then it's a blank, then it's Leicester and Chelsea. And, and then it's it's not even much better after that. Newcastle, Wolves, Liverpool, Manchester United. So um, despite Grealish being, you know, quite pretty on the eye in terms of the underlying stats um, and performance-wise in terms of the returns he's been getting, um, and price-wise in FPL as well, actually, um, he may be one to go. But in terms of Samata, um, I think it's a good, decent start for the Tanzanian. He's the first uh, Premier League scorer from the Phoenix Nations history. And he's another, another signing for Aston Villa from the Jupiler Pro League. Last season, he managed 20 goals in 28 appearances, which was a pretty impressive return. And it's worth highlighting, actually, that was double what Wesley managed in the same campaign. So he could even be considered an upgrade on, on the... Uh, the current forward they had, he's obviously injured Wesley. So I think um, Samata's definitely one to keep an eye on. But with that Vix, uh, with that fixture run, I, I'd be wary, very wary of bringing in a player like that right now. Yeah, one of the most interesting of the January transfers has to have been the return of the man, the mosquito who was in the amber for so long, but who has returned, Odio Nigallo. Like he screams such wait and see for me, and that like this is a player who got a, about a goal every other game in China, but that isn't enough to convince me of anything. Not even that he's going to start at Manchester United, and like this is a player who had one good, albeit long, run in the Premier League too. But maybe whatever about Icalo, it's Bruno Fernandez is obviously the one that's going to be interesting us. Eight million was a pretty great price for him to come in at. Really two footed, versatile player, good dribbler, but he's not reliant on his physique, which makes you think that maybe he can translate his skills across. That's often a problem for players who come in. He's also a penalty taker, something Manchester United have greatly lacked this season, a good free kick taker, so long as Paul Vogel doesn't come back and take that from him. Like, it seems like an absolutely brilliant player to have. And like, if he's got a good player there to link him up, which unfortunately he didn't have in his debut at the weekend, he could be a really interesting signing. Do, do you guys think anything about Bruno Fernandes? Well, if he does start to bag, you're going to have to get him pretty quickly because you know what it's like with Manchester United assets. His ownership is already at 2%. <laughs> um, and when you bear in mind the amount of dead teams that must be in the game, by now, it's quite significant. I think a lot of that was as, as a result of Mane's injury. There not been a huge amount of choice of who to go for. But yeah, if he can get the penalties and the set plays, it could be great because, you know, he's had a great first half of the season already. It, it's hard because, you, you know, you look back in FPL folklore and, and how many mid-season signings that are new to the Premier League have actually, you know, produced anything decent. I think probably Aubameyang is the only one that you could probably mention over the course of the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, he's certainly on my radar. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm a little bit on the fence with Manchester United at the moment in terms of what's going on with Ollie, what's going on with how invested they're going to be in the Europa League as well. But if we can if we can get through game week 26 and, you know, some interesting performances, then it's someone that you could potentially look at from game week 27. 
I think I think that's a very good point in terms of the January transfer window never sort of bringing us any sort of golden gooses. But um, I do remember that you know, Tielemann was an, an example of another player, I think, mm-hmm. last season that seemed to start pretty well. So, so it can happen. I think um, certainly with the Manchester United assets, it's very interesting. So many people bringing in Bruno Fernandes straight away, but at eight million and sort of with the lack of choice there, I, I can understand why a few managers uh, fancy the punt um, to get someone shiny, new, and exciting into their teams. Um, Igalo is a very, very interesting one actually. It's a, it's, a, it's funny to see um, him to, to be sort of you know the laid out as the, the exciting new signing at Manchester United. Of course, he's a familiar name for us FPL managers who remember him fondly from the 15-16 campaign where he got 16 goals and five assists in, in 37 appearances. I, I certainly remember owning him for large patches of that season, but it was, the, it was the following one that was pretty damn shoddy, to be honest. One goal and one assist in 18 appearances for the Hornets that season. So, yeah, he, he dropped um, in form pretty, pretty quickly, and that's part of the reason why he ended up getting shipped out to China in the first place but you know with uh, with Rashford's injury um, um, a little bit of a stop gap there at Manchester United in terms of forward if he's playing 6.5 million um, could fit into our teams if he, he starts pretty well but yeah I think Bruno Fernandes perhaps is, is the key one the one we really should be focusing on um, you know, our energies, at least in terms of watching him and the eye test, a big money move, 47 million, and this sporting Lisbon record was uh, very, very impressive. Eight goals, seven assists, and 17 appearances so far this campaign. Um, 20 goals and 13 assists in 33 appearances last season. So it's almost like a goal and assist a game there for, for Bernandez. But um, yeah, he's also a card magnet as well, highlighting as well, three yellows. Um, and one red um, so far this campaign and, and last campaign he, he had a uh, nine yellow so a um, little bit of a sort of not really a major concern there if he's getting going this we won't mind about the yellow cards but if he's getting more cards than the returns then perhaps we'll, we'll have to get rid or, or, or not get him in at all yeah like what interests me about Fernandez as well is that if you read any of the reports about him this is a player who was laying into his teammates at sporting he was an extreme professional in spite of extremely trying circumstances at sporting I'm not sure if anyone has read up on it but they had serious trouble over the end of last season and fans breaking into the training grounds and assaults and players leaving and everything and he, he stood and he stood by in the end and stayed at the club didn't leave as it transpired and you know Look, discipline issues maybe on the pitch to a little extent but I do wonder if that was part frustration more than anything and maybe okay there's plenty of food to get frustrated at Manchester United with his teammates there but I have hope for him I have hope for him but maybe Nick moving you on to Gernandez and uh, Stephen Bergwine as well at Spurs your your men what do you think of the new Spurs signings? So, yes, it gets in Fernandez. I, I don't really see him as an, an FPO asset, to be honest. Um, five million, he, uh, but I think he's actually 4.9 million now. Um, but yeah, he's, he's more of a defensive uh, midfielder. Kind of, I don't really see too many attacking returns um, coming from his direction. So perhaps um, one. Um, might be good for the defence, perhaps. You know, the likes of Serge Aurier getting that remarkable clean sheet this game week with the likes of Gedson Fernandez, even though he, he's not in play that game, certainly might help bolster that midfield a little bit. Um, Bergwin, I think he's certainly the one, or Bergwine, um, certainly the one to, to keep an eye on um, and had a, a brilliant debut with a goal, obviously. Um, 
I think the 22-year-old um, looks like he could potentially be a key part of that Spurs future and that Spurs attack. Obviously, with Ericsson leaving, um, it leaves a little bit of a gap in the team and they play slightly different roles. But the likes of Lo Celso and Bergwijn look like they potentially can be the, the future of that Spurs midfield and attack. Um, so last season, um, he had... So, sorry, sorry. So this season, he's had five goals and 10 assists so far in, in 16 appearances, which is pretty um, impressive. That's a goal every 267 minutes. And last season, it was 14 goals and 12 assists um, in 33 games for, for PSV. So, uh, you know, really, really decent stats. Obviously, um, it's a bit of a step up to the Premier League, but, um, you know, very nice to see a debut goal for the, for the new Spurs man. Um, Holly, what do you think about um, the new Spurs signings? It was interesting to see Bergwijn score on his debut. And, you know, hopefully Spurs, that win against Manchester City will give them a bit of confidence. The, the fixtures are decent enough for them. Um, do you, you know, 7.5 million, it could be someone to take a punt on. It's probably a little bit expensive to really punt on. I think you need to be looking 7 million below to, to risk um, on a player that, that that's so unknown. But, you know, I feel like... Um, now Jose's managed to figure out how to play this Spurs side without Kane in it. And, you know, they should hopefully gather some momentum now as well. Uh, I, I do wonder about that and whether that this was just yet another kind of one of these Jose Mourinho defensive performances that works out against the big teams, but whether they'll struggle against the smaller sides. I, I Sorry, Nick, I really don't see this being the, the turning point for Spurs' like, season under Jose. I... I think we're going to get further disappointment from that team. But like, look, Bergwijn's a solid player, but we're not talking about a, a world beater either. And so I, I do wonder if this will be enough. One, maybe I'm actually more excited from an FPL point of view by the signings that Newcastle have made, as mad as that might sound, with <laughs> Danny Rose coming in on loan and Nabil Bentaleb coming in as well to shore up defensive midfield. Like, look, that, that Newcastle defence has been quietly, extremely solid over the past few weeks. And like, these extra signings really can't hurt either. Like, they were having serious fullback trouble and Rose has come in and he's going to fill that gap nicely. Like, those could be some nice uh, clean sheets to tap into, especially for those who are going to be coming in on wildcards. There's value to be had there. Yeah, you could never bet against a clean sheet at home, can you, for Newcastle? And, you know, if you look at some of the fixtures they've got at home for the run-in, Burnley, Sheffield United, Aston Villa, West Ham, Spurs and Liverpool, when you get into May, probably not so good. But, you know, up until that point, they could provide some great value for us. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty exciting, right, Nick? You, sorry. yeah, I think I think so. I think yeah, obviously, um, Danny Rose has uh, has moved up north to to sample the local fish and chip shops. Um, it's finally <laughs> less Spurs, uh, but it'd be interesting to see what how that impacts Matt Ritchie as well. Because if Matt Ritchie ends up playing um, out of position and is on penalties, it's a, certainly a player to to keep a rise on. Um, at five point three million, he's obviously classified as a defender. Has previously been. Uh, playing as a midfielder, but also, also a wing-back. So, very interesting to watch um, what happens there. Um, Jamal Lascelles, perhaps the, the one to kind of think about the most, because he's only now 4.2 million. So, those like myself are frustrated with the likes of Rico and Kelly and Matt Target. Um, see, um, see a very nice uh, straight swap there for um, for Lascelles, perhaps. And, um, yeah, I think um, the other one you mentioned, Ben Taleb, another um, former Spur um, perhaps um, there's not really an FPL option again, but it uh, depends uh, what happens with. I mean, the midfields in the attack are very 
boring when it comes to Newcastle. There's no one particularly exciting to talk about. But I know there's a few um, conversations about Hayden on the wildcards because he's only 4.3 million. But it'd be very interesting to see if um, Bentaleb playing impacts um, on Hayden's minutes once, once Shelby's back as well. Yeah, no, it hasn't uh, upset Hayden so far. And he was one player that actually came in on my wild card a few weeks back. So I enjoyed a, a seven-pointer and a five-pointer left on my bench, uh, much to my frustration. But look, these things happen. I guess I think that ties up that section of the show. So let's move towards a break and we'll move on to our few features this week. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the uh, the market forces and our um, regular features. So... Uh, yeah, we're looking at the movers and shakers in the market. What's happening in the market? Who's who's who are people buying and who are people selling? Uh, but the, yeah, the main player being transferred in is is Mo Salah. Over one hundred eighty thousand uh, transfers in so far uh, this season. As I mentioned, he's kind of sn- snuck in there. He's suddenly become the top scorer in the game in in classic Mo Salah fashion. Sort of been flying under the radar, but not anymore. Um, two massive returns in a row: um, the fourteen points against West Ham, being sixteen points for that particular game week and a 16-pointer against Southampton with a couple of late goals um, for him. And uh, yeah, obviously a lot of people now bringing him in. Uh, what with the other injuries in midfield, uh, Mane actually having been transferred out by 189,000 managers. It looks like a lot of people doing that that straight swap um, for Mane for Salah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're also seeing Son being quite popular amongst the midfielders for transfers in, as well as, as Holly noted earlier, Bruno Fernandes uh, attracting a bit of interest, as is other new man, Stefan Bergwijn. So there's uh, interest coming through amongst the mid-priced into the premium midfielders, which is quite interesting. Looking at defence, it almost feels like the start of the season all over again, though. We've got uh, Sheffield United uh, goalkeeper leading the charge, uh, Henderson, in spite of the fact that he has two blanks in his next six games between being... uh, unable to play against Manchester United and his blank. And then we've also got uh, Baldock and O'Connell up there in the top three for transfers in for defenders, as well as, of course, Liverpool defenders, as per. Yeah, so it is interesting. I think Henderson's the second most transferred in player right now with 86,000 transfers in. When I first saw that, I actually, I actually thought, oh, Jordan Henderson, wow. So many people bringing in uh, Jenderson. <laughs> of course, it wasn't Jenderson, it was Denderson. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 86,000 transfers in, which is... Um, He's obviously doing very well now. Top scoring goalkeeper, two, um, an eleven pointer, and then a ten pointer against Crystal Palace in the last two game weeks. Uh, but um, yeah, it's worth noting that he does have that blanking game week twenty eight, and he also technically has a blanking game week thirty one as well because that's when they play Manchester United. So um, a little bit of um, a worry if you are looking at him to bring him in to make sure that you are navigating the blanks properly. Yeah, another interesting one as well would be Harvey Barnes. Three goals in his last three games is starting to emerge as maybe the Leicester attacker that we need in our squads. We've mentioned Vardy and Madison already multiple times, haven't we? Not doing or delivering much for our squads right now. But, you know, Leicester as a team are still performing well. I don't think it's out of the way to still be invested in that attack but maybe we need to alter our thinking about who are the main men to be bringing on board from that attack yeah and then if you uh, move our focus towards the forward line it's actually quite interesting that you know the the simpleton thing to think with when Mane is injured is that Firmino is going to surely do well and uh, if you took that logic and without rethinking about it then indeed you would have been rewarded so that triple of assists in game week 25 as well as a goal against Wolves in game week 24 means that uh, 
Roberto Firmino is pretty popular, as is Raul Jimenez and uh, Danny Ings again. Sergio Aguero also uh, getting 42,000 transfers in in spite of the fact that uh, they play at West Ham this week and then kind of things take a, a turn a bit. Yeah, so 100,000 managers have, have sold Jamie Vardy. He's the second most transferred out player right now. And yeah, it does look like the money's moving towards perhaps the likes of Firmino after um, Hatrick of assists. And obviously, they've got Norwich up next. Uh, Raul Jimenez, um, who blanked against Manchester United. Uh, but before that, he got um, returns against Liverpool and South, Southampton. Um, Wolves' fixtures are going to be turning quite soon as well. So, certainly a team that um, managers should be looking at, especially if they're wildcarding. I think they got Leicester at home up next, which is a tough game. But after that, it's Norwich, Spurs, Brighton, West Ham, Bournemouth, and Aston Villa. So, um, not really a surprise that managers are looking at him. 70,000 trans- transfers in for Jimenez. And as you mentioned, Danny Ings as well, 60,000 transfers in. I mentioned Southampton's fixtures earlier on in the pod. Uh, but yeah, a few blanks in a row for him, which makes it strange perhaps that he's in the market for with that fixture run and then sort of his form over the course of the season and and a general lack of options in, in the forward line right now like hardly any scored this week um, Danny Ings has to remain on our radar yeah, and unfortunately, maybe there is a, a massive changing of, the, changing of the guard as well. The uh, most old defender by a distance is uh, Lundstrom. So 92,000 trans, transfers out for old Lunny. Looks like the uh, the party is very much over there. And uh, that is a watershed moment for one of the finest FPL stories that we've ever had. But it looks like it's all coming to an end. Yeah, it is a shame. Obviously, um, Sheffield United have bought Sander Burge as well. So, um, yeah, it looks like his, his minutes are going to be limited over the course of the rest of the season, which is it's just very sad to see. After such a fantastic, such a sort of such a hero of the uh, the early season, the sort of the four million defenders, matching a midfielder, getting returns week in, week out. But, you know, a few other options, as we mentioned, in the Sheffield United defence. So the, the Sheffield United dream isn't over quite yet, even if it looks like the Lord. Lundstrom stream is, is over right now for FPL. I think I need to reflect on the fact that I own the four most transferred players out this week so far. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only got two free transfers. I think I've only got one free transfer to deal with it. Oh no, two free transfers. Okay, Still, you've, it's you've not got, great. Mane, Vardy, a... Lundstrom, Madison. You've got Dropping a like headaches. a stone. Oh no. <laughs> disaster don't check the team value <laughs> and uh reviving a feature that we haven't talked about in a few weeks the uh we got the assist zombie league so this is a league made up completely of teams who are not allowed to make a transfer from pre-game week one all the way to the end of the season so we can give you a bit of a, an update on the top 10 in uh, 10th we have george boris who has 1468 points he's at 50 i've 55k overall, which is absolutely fantastic, and I guess gives you a pretty a good idea of how the rest of our top uh, ten are doing. So we've got Zombie Cats uh, in ninth. Uh, we've Connor Haig with Setting and Forgetting at uh, eight. Uh, nice, nice theme there. We've got Tracy's Atoms there. Uh, Tracy Jones in seventh. Sixth is Luke Dirty with The Walking Dead. Another great pun there. Uh, Ashlak Qureshi with The Governor's Eleven is uh, in fifth. So fifth would only get you thirty. K in our league. Uh, the VAR crawl, 25.7K for Mary Vespo. In third, it's uh, another Anthony, Anthony Thomas with his team Ballers. That's at 24.8K. 14.5K overall rank for Hennessy and Green for zero Belmont. And number one in our league is ranked overall 7.8K. 1,000 
517 points for Julie Lechtfried and Day of the Dead, Day of the Dend even. So even a pun in her name for the team that's up top. That's a team that just includes a double Liverpool defence. It includes Diop in defence as well. She's got Salah captained all year. And then there's Jamie Vardy, Sebastian Allaire, Jack Grealish, Anthony Martial, Kevin De Bruyne and Lucas Dean all in that starting lineup alongside Matt Ryan and goals. So pretty fantastic stuff there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a surprise actually. I was just looking at, at my zombies and they've actually caught up my main team now. Like oh, my gosh, zombies have an opening rank 269,000 and they've caught up my main team. It's just ridiculous. They've had six green arrows in a row. And that's basically driven by Captain Mo Salah and a double Liverpool defence, which is just mental. Just basically having that set up, doing, doing that at the start of the season and just leaving it over the course of the season has just finally paid dividends for that team. And it's just, yeah, it is a bit shocking to, to see uh, the rise of my zombies now. Um <laughs> annihilating um, my own actual team but yeah a little bit depressing to think of all the energy spent on FPL and trying to make decisions week in week out only to have a set and forget team it's not even a great set and forget team you've got the likes of Ryan Fraser in there who's done nothing all season and the likes of Wow Mutino so it's not even a great team but now now caught up my main team Oh, you'd be hiding in the refrigerator after that one. That's um, that's awful. My uh, zombie team is at two point two million, so it's about uh, rank six hundred ninety seven in the in the who got the assist league. I had the double Liverpool defence, and I do have Salah captained, but I have pretty much nothing else in that team at this point, which has been decimated by injuries and lack of form. So it's um, I'm just scraping the top one k in the league, and that's largely down to the fact that Salah has managed to take the team from 4 million to 3 million in the last five weeks. It's all about Salah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's the same Salah story here. It's it's actually funner to look back at this league having not looked at it for a few weeks. I'm now reliant on two transfer or two substitutes to even actually have a team at this point, such as the way this team has fallen apart. So fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. So I think I think we're gonna take another break there and after that we're gonna move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? And we're back. So we're moving on to our questions round. Uh, we put out a tweet on Twitter earlier and loads of you got back to us. So thank you very much to that. And I guess the first question came in from a friend of the pod, James Querald, who's at j.querald on Twitter. And he's asking about the death of the premium striker. So with Alba out playing wide and with both City season and the Vardy party coming to an end, is the premium striker going extinct? What do you think, Holly? Well, it's funny how things change so quickly in FPL. If you look back a week ago, there were many managers wildcarding to try and get either Aguero or Aubameyang in their sides. It basically turned out that no forwards did anything in game week 25. That trend surely got to change in game week 26. But in terms of the premiums, I think there are plenty of options lower down the price bracket and... I think Firmino is probably the only one that we can really consider at the moment and whether you can class him as, as premium with the fact that his uh, price is under £10 million is, a, is a tricky one. But beyond that, I think you could go and look, look, at, look at cheaper options, if I'm honest. I think the focus for a lot of these premium forwards is going to become the Champions League and Europa League over the coming weeks, other than Liverpool, until they've got that Premier League title firmly in their grasp 
Yeah, actually, um, Holly, it was it was Glenn Murray. Um, it was the only only forward uh, that scored this week. It was it was the the old dinosaur himself rocking up first goal in about a year and a half in the Premier League for him as well. So uh, you know, there's there's a few a uh, few old boys there. I think there's Sonata. Obviously, he had his debut goal as well. But the Glenn Murray, uh, the particularly most interesting one that I found there. Uh, but yeah, I think going back to James's question. Um, with a Sergio Aguero around, I don't think you can consider the premium striker to be dead. I think, um, you know, Aubameyang perhaps is a little bit of um, an FPO luxury. And with, with the blank coming up, I certainly wouldn't be looking at him right now. But I, I feel like Aguero, he's obviously a premium striker. He's, he's one that's always going to be um, on our radar and perhaps in our teams. And, you know, there's a few others out there. I think Harry Kane um, is a premium striker who's been injured. Uh, but you know, next season, if he has a bit of a price fall, will he be back on our radars? I don't know. I don't know. We'll also see the likes of Abraham and Rash for next season. They'll have price hikes. Um, no, it'll be interesting actually to see if Rashford ends up um, being reclassified as a midfielder, considering he spent most of the season on on the wing. But um, you know, I'd, I'd certainly be reticent to kind of write off forwards, um, premium forwards for that matter. You know, even you know, Firmino. He's around that 10 million mark, but it has to be in the conversation. What with that hat trick of assists? Yeah, like, look, I think James's question, it, it really hints at this odd, hot and cold nature of this season for so, 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 so many players in the league. And that, look, when I was doing that wildcard, as Holly mentioned, like, it was all about getting premium forwards in. And even this week, when I was looking at selling Sadio Mane, Still, I was looking at the midfielders and thinking, well, there's only Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Jack Grealish that I wanted to get in that have been on form. And other than that, it was Mo Salah, who I already had. So to to say the premium striker is dead is to say that almost all the premiums that don't play for Liverpool or aren't Kevin De Bruyne are dead. And um, I think their time will come again, as Nick says, and maybe that will be starting with West Ham this current weekend. Maybe looking at other questions, though, uh, to do with chips. FPL Footy Waffle was asking about what our current chip strategies were. So I've completely diverged from that and that I've already used my wildcard. So I'm no longer a, a helpful template for anyone to follow. So maybe, Nicholas, would you like to share what you're thinking about chips as it stands right now? Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, I have been tempted to, to use that wild card chip. It, it's kind of looking at my team. I know that there's massive holes in there, um, particularly in the defence. I could make some sweeping changes. But um, with with this week, it's this week would feel like a good time to use it. I think last week was a fantastic time for many managers to use it. But this week, um, with the lack of press conferences, because it's sort of the Christmas break or, you know, the winter festival break whatever they want to call it um there's a you know we're not going to have too much information before um the uh saturday game when there's only two games actually on the saturday and a lot of the teams you know likes liverpool for instance have their fixture um, for a following week so we're not going to know anything at all and that is perhaps a, a little bit of concern when wild carding right now and and with the blanks as well um, i think to be honest, I'm, I might just try and navigate the blank if I can. Try and navigate game week 28. Wait until we've got the likes of um, you know Ben Krellin who can give us a little bit more information maybe um, on when he comes on the pod or when we've got a little bit more information in terms of who's actually blanking and, and when doubles are going to be. It looks like 37 is going to be um, the bench boost uh, game week. So um, I will certainly probably be using it then. Uh, the bench boost and the free hits might be used in 31 perhaps if I can get through the um, the blank in game week 28 so that's that's probably going to be what I'm looking to do I, I just don't know exactly 
in terms of the wild cards could could be any time really to be honest at this stage of the season I don't really like um have there's been talk about sort of holding the wild card until 36 which seems far too late in the season to be using that chip to be honest for me so I probably won't wait that long but um, I, I do want to get some more information at least once to kind of know a little bit more about you know who's going through in the cups etc uh, what about yourself Holly well, I've always gone all in for the blanks and the doubles with the chips. And I said to myself this season, I was going to play it differently because it's something that hasn't played up, paid off in the last couple of seasons because so many teams have been you know, invested in Champions League, Europa League. But I can see myself falling into the same habits again. I just can't help myself. So, I mean, there are issues in my squad. I looked at wildcard in this week and, you know, as Nick said, it just feels wrong to play a wild card, something that's so pivotal for the rest of the season when you've only got half of the information. But I could still be tempted to wild card next week into 27, but then it's like you won before the blank then, and it just seems like if you're getting that close, you might as well get to the blank and through it. Um, I do think that I'm going to do the free hit in 31, if I do get a couple of weeks down the line and I don't feel like the wild card's particularly necessary, then I might be tempted to, you know, play the wild card and the bench boost in conjunction with each other. Now it does look at, at the minute like 37 could perhaps be the bigger of the doubles, but I know that there has been times where they haven't necessarily been scheduled where we might expect them to. So I think I'm going to stay a little bit more flexible, but looking at my team now, I've currently got Dean Henderson as my keeper for 28, who obviously doesn't play. So I'm going to probably need to make a goalkeeper transfer to address that before 28, whether that be upgrade my second keeper to someone that starts. So I've got a lot of thought to put into it and, you know, I'm not completely convinced where to go at the moment, but I may just play to what true to my own strategy that I've adopted before and go all in again yeah interesting I would have usually been of your school of thought and just kind of maybe took the 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 line well followed but in this case I've just diverged from it already I've actually kept my triple captain as well and I'm holding out for in the hope that there will be a triple game week a much fabled triple game week it still hasn't (laughs) been ruled out and I would just love to triple captain Sergio Aguero I don't care if there's on the beach I don't care about anything I'll just go for it and see where it lands me because I need to outdo the Salah 16 pointer multiplied by three to come level with everybody at this point so I look I'm gonna have to risk it at this point so I might as well hold on but I will use the bench boost in one of the big double game weeks and kind of move from there and use my transfers accordingly to set myself up for that and I think that kind of rounds off that chip talk and moves us on to our next set of questions which pretty much all surround midfielders which I guess kind of tells you about how bad the forwards did this week that all the questions were about which midfielders to bring or to sell or to hold the first of which came from FPLDC who was asking about Mane to sell or to hold do any of us even have him right now I've got him still and so what are you thinking is it to sell or to hold (laughs) well I've got a lot of issues to address in my squad and, you know, if I'm selling Mane, I'd want to be getting in a Liverpool defender, but I've probably got bigger fires to fight and I look at the fixtures and I think Norwich away next, followed by West Ham at home, double up on the Liverpool attack could be the way to go. So I am likely to hold. It's hard because it's a blind hold, isn't it, going into that Norwich away game, but, you know, still another 
10 days away. Yeah, that's the that's the fiendish thing about this Christmas break uh, game week in that we're going to have that all that time where you would usually have been able to benefit from injury news that you won't have with, with Manny if you do hold. So yeah, a blind hold is actually a, a great way to define it. I think though, you have this brilliant position where Manny could suddenly be a differential for you um, amongst quite a lot of active teams. And that's a pretty awesome position to be in. <laughs> Nick. Fingers crossed. I'm going to coin that blind hold now. Yeah, fantastic one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think with with Mane, if if you were going to sell him, it would have been last week. To be honest, that's that's when I did sell him myself. I decided look, he's not going to be playing in this game. I just he's screwed me over completely with his injury. Um, with the triple captain chips, so I was just going to get rid of this guy. So I, I swapped him for Son, and, and that paid off. And I think now, as it's going to be a blind hold, you know, do you really want to be taking the risk? And it's probably going to end up being a hit if you did um, on a minus four um, to sell Manny ahead of Norwich. And with that run coming up, it, it feels very, very risky. But then again, it, he's an expensive player to to hold through an injury crisis on the on the other side. You know, and it, you know, you don't want to be playing a player week in week out that's going to sit on your bench injured so if he and the problem is we, we probably won't have any information unfortunately it seems like before this game but that, I think that is the risk that you you have to kind of weigh up and say look is are there any players that um, I could consider as a swap um, and I think this kind of links in a little bit with, with so, um, FPL Telling's question on Son in because um, I think if, if you were to look around that price point, perhaps Son would be one player that perhaps um, would be worth calling out. The, he's a player that I went for. I was a bit, as I said, I was a bit put off by my most recent form. So I actually thought, you know, I'm just going to get some some differential in someone who, you know, doesn't seem like he's he's a bit off the radar. And, and Son seemed like the perfect player to bring in, to be honest. It was a tough fixture against Manchester City. So I wasn't really expecting a return, but to see a return was fantastic. And, um, yeah, Aston Villa way up next is, is um, feels like a plum fixture for Son, and he's, he's got Chelsea, Wolves, and Burnley after that. So you know it's a bit of a mixed um, fixture range for Spurs, but I certainly think he he's one to keep an eye on, um, sort of playing out of position a little bit as well with Harry Kane's injury. And um, in terms of the underlying stats, he's joint third amongst midfielders for goal attempts in the last six game weeks, and that's actually despite only playing four of those six game weeks, and he's. He's um, had a chance every 24 minutes in those six game weeks, which is only bested by Mo Salah. He's had a chance every 23.1 million, uh, 23.1 minutes. So that's 15 uh, shots he's had over that course of time, 11 of which have been inside the box as well. So plenty of opportunities um, for Son. So he looks like a, a little bit of a decent differential there. Yeah, it's a strange one, Son, isn't he? He's always there lurking and he seems to be like the go-to guy when you've got issues in midfield and you're looking for a premium. He's probably been even more popular in that sense now that we've not got the luxury of having Hazard in the league as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, Son is one of those players who I never seem to get right. But as Nick points out, the underlying stats are yet again in his favour. So yet again, I'll probably bring him in. And yet again, I'll probably be disappointed. Which a disappointment reminds me actually of our next question. Jimmy Mac and Cheese, Claret FPL, asking about any Richarlison advice. Um, he's been patient and Jimmy Mac and Cheese <laughs> has been patient. And the fixtures are turning, but he still isn't returning. So... Is who's the best replacement for this player for 9.5 million or less? And maybe that feeds in with Joe Finlay Bada's question about the best mids under 8.0 million for wildcarders. Guys, thoughts on those just free midfield shots? Who to get? Well, he's got to go, really, hasn't he, Richarlison? I mean, you think about it, second half of the season, we know what he's capable of in the second half of the season, which is 
not a lot. I actually go down to Harvey Barnes out of anyone. That's I don't think there's that much value in, in the mid-priced. Because there was always like the, the FPL or Premier League yin and yang with Richardson at the start of the season and Iosi Perez in the second half of the season. I think that's already yeah. starting to kind of bear fruit. <laughs> you don't agree? <laughs> no, I do agree. I yeah. think it could be a good call. Uh, it was always that thing for me. It was always Iosi Perez and Olivier Giroud as well were second half of season wonders. It was just <laughs> one of those funny things. Nick, do you have any thoughts on those? <laughs> yeah, so I, I did actually, I did have a think about this question and Harvey Barnes was one of the players that I did flag as a, a decent replacement. Um, 5.9 million. He's, he's got three goals and one assist in three games, really starting to, to show some form. Um, you know, and it was just frustrating for me having owned Madison over this whole period of time, who's done nothing. Um, Grealish, I'd mention him, but the blank in game week 28 probably rules him out, to be honest, as well as the fixture shift for Aston Villa. I think in terms of Richardson in general, I think, yeah, as I said, he probably does have to go. Everton's fixtures are really starting to, to turn for the worse. Um, and just as sort of Leicester's are, are coming back into, um, you know, good fixtures again. So I think the likes of Barnes, um, yeah, the likes of Perez, as you mentioned, perhaps another little decent punt. Um, worth mentioning um, Adama Traore is another player that I've kind of been tracking, so to speak. Um, and Wolves fixtures are, are still going to start turning soon as well. Um, and maybe even Anthony Martial, 7.9 million. He's got eight goals to his name over the course of the season. Mixed bag of fixtures from Manchester United, but I guess he has to be in the, the conversation as, as another option out there. Yeah, and I guess moving on then to questions of more FPL philosophy, as I like to think of it. Um, one question from FPL Nicatelli, who was asking about whether or not this is classic FPL over-management to not captain Salah this week against Norwich away because of the Champions League in the midweek that follows. And he said he's flirting with the idea of KDB and the idea of a big city reaction against West Ham. Thoughts on that overmanagement? I think a lot of transfers in recent weeks have been overmanagement, especially on my part. And a lot of managers are feeling that pain. Would this be overcomplicating things to not cap Salah? Potentially, but then you know Manchester City's record against West Ham just speaks for itself. You know, three, four, five, six goal margin is not uncommon in this fixture, and I just feel a little bit uncomfortable with this winter break. Captain in Salah on you know. Friday the 7th of February and then they're not playing till Saturday the 15th of February it's just it's a little bit scary it's, it's a blind captaincy to me yeah um, I think at the moment I do have it on Tyler actually um, I, I was thinking he was probably one of the better captain options but obviously it's Manchester City you've got Aguero you've got De Bruyne um I mean, I wouldn't say it's over management to not captain him. I think it's it's down to personal choice at the end of the day. It's certainly one of those game weeks where there seems to be a few options, um, you know, a few choices for us to pick from. You know, you could even take a risk and go for perhaps a Spurs player, or if you've got a Bam Yang type figure, you could take a punt on him if you're really feeling like a bit of a differential gamble. But um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would never say it was over management to not captain a player. I think Vardy felt like the auto captain pick, but. Um, earlier on the season I was captaining him week in week out but you know that ended of course and you know Salah's form might suddenly drop but it's Norwich they're bottom of the table they're, they're one of the worst teams in the league this season they're pretty much guaranteed now I'd say probably like well I think they're going to get relegated so you know why not go for Liverpool who you know captain the, the best player and most attacking player against the worst team in the league 
Well, Nick, like the logic is great, but every time I've gone with logic this season, it hasn't exactly worked out for me anyway. Uh, another kind of question of FPL philosophy came from M. Bison 22, and he was asking about how many players do we have with a blank in 28, and what is our plan to deal with them? Have any of you guys put together a master plan with spreadsheets and statistics and stats and thoughts and everything? Well, I've only got three, so it's not so much a master plan. <laughs> But, you know, KDB will go on the bench. Lundstrom, I need to sell anyway. And, you know, Henderson's going nowhere. So Stecklenberg is is currently my second goalkeeper. And he will be upgraded to, to someone that's got a decent fixture, certainly in 28 and potentially someone that's got a game in 31 as well. So... I've got four transfers between now and 28, so I can I can deal with those two issues as well as fixing a few other problems in my squad as well. Yeah, I mean, it does does create a few concerns for me because I do have four players at the moment. Um, Lundstrom's probably out the door as we talked about him. Uh, and I, I would bring in I would bring in another Sheffield United defender. That's probably what I do naturally, and that's just I just I just feel like I can't. It's really frustrating because they have some you know the next couple of fixtures look like potential clean sheets again for the for this really solid defence. Um, Nickel Bournemouth and Brighton. So I, and then after that Nor- Norwich and Newcastle. So it's just it's really bad timing for that Sheffield United blank. So a little bit of um, a concern there. And with Greedish, you know, fixtures aren't great, so maybe he'll go out the door as well. Um, with the Manchester City assets, it's, it's very interesting as to what I do with them. I think De Bruyne probably will stay. I'm not sure about Aguero, whether I'll just do a swap that particular week and just bring in someone else. I don't know who, but just anyone, maybe like Ducks of Jimenez back in or something. But um, I, I don't know. What about yourself, Stag? Are you um, hanging on to Aguero through thick and thin through this period? Do you that's that's definitely the biggest question for me Nick really it's I've had this kind of short but intense relationship with Sergio Aguero since he came into my team and kind of fired me up the leaderboard and now all of a sudden it's kind of like the sun is setting on that and maybe he's actually starting to hamper my progress Uh, but I do only have three players for this double game week so I are this blank game week so I could actually just uh, have him just sitting on my bench along with KGB and uh, Lord Lundstrom for a week but I think that's unlikely to happen. I think he will be sold by then. Um, for who? I don't know. It would usually have been a Bamiang, but he's also blanking. So it's kind of one of those tougher questions. Maybe, as you suggested, just bringing in Jimenez and uh, moving from there Maybe the way I go. I shall see. And I think maybe this leads us on to our last set of questions, which are all surrounding Liverpool. Um, the Basically, it all boils down to Gomez in that. Liverpool defence. M. Bison was asking whether it's Robertson is worth extra money over Gomez and Samantha H. Nyatkar is asking is Gomez a good second Liverpool defensive option? Guys, Gomez? I actually like Van Dijk as the second but I do think that Gomez should keep his place purely because the fact that you know the solidarity and defence and the clean sheets have come at the same time as Gomez has been a mainstay decider. and I think it's... Um, there's been time now for Gomez and Van Dyke to cement that relationship centre-back. But it's just, the thing is with Gomez, it doesn't go up for corners or set pieces or anything. So it, it offers absolutely nothing from an attacking perspective. It's very difficult for him to get within the bonus points when the other defenders tend to get attacking returns. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, Gomez has played as much a part in that uh, baptism stat we talked about earlier as Allison has, really. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's um, the FPL pick that we want. But I think that just because of how much 
cheaper areas is just so hard to like look away from it. It's only the fact that really there's so few high performing midfielders as we were kind of talking about earlier that maybe you just have that extra budget that you can afford Van Dyke. I don't see any reason why mm. someone can't afford the two premium Liverpool defenders along with the Salah at the moment. And I think that's what is actually the uh, the biggest weakness in the Gomez argument for me, Nick. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously yeah, Gomez has never never scored a goal in his professional career, so it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a funny one. I think he scored for the Liverpool youth team, if that counts. But apart from that, it's been nothing at all for him. So, um, you know, you are essentially buying into the clean sheets, and but there have been tons and tons of clean sheets um, there for Joe Gomez since he joined the side at eight, eighty nine. Um, you know, last season he was largely absent, but when he did play, he got seven clean sheets and he conceded four goals. It seems to be his place um, in the club now over so Joel Matty, which is a bit harsh for Matip because he obviously got injured and was brilliant earlier on in the season. But it feels like it's going to place to lose, and I can't see them um, rotating um, too much in terms of those centre backs. Uh, but yeah, I think um, I think that is the issue, though. You are just buying clean sheets is very boring I guess but it depends on your budget at the end of the day I'm looking at a few transfers myself and I could end up with Joan Gomez maybe but oh, I do really want Robertson so maybe I just have to find the cash from somewhere just to get Robertson in because obviously Robertson like Trent Alexander-Arnold he's, he's an assist kick isn't he he did 12 last season six so far this season it's only an extra 1.5 million but, uh, but I think it is worth that um, additional investment to be honest to get the uh, the premium Liverpool players yeah, absolutely. I think uh, most people at home will probably echo that thought. And I guess with that, let's move on to our final break and then we'll catch up with our mini league. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? And we're back. So let's catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league to see how our esteemed fans are doing at the moment. Nick, you have the top 10 with for us. Yeah, and if you want to join the league, the league code's EIKX03. So in 10th is Andreas Tangstrom with Syndicated. Um, got 56 points, uh, 1,574 overall rank right now. Um, 1,574 points and a 459 overall rank right now. So all of the top 10 in the 500, uh, top 500 in the world, which is fantastic. Uh, 9th is uh, Ozamoin Ogbamo with Dexy FPL. Got 67 points this week. Eighth is Adam Warner with Berry 94. Uh, falling down to seventh is um, Declan Ring with the Wesley Crushers. In sixth is Brian Evans with Chupacabra. Uh, fifth, Nigel Lintz with Yankton's Finest. Uh, fourth is Luke Burgess, Lukewarm FC. Uh, got 75 points this week. Very good score there. Mark Bird is in third. Uh, with Tweety Dreamers. I think he's a new entry as well. Uh, Mudmoyinu Islam with goal is uh, second now. He got 76 points. Really, really good score for him. Now up to 91st in the world. Uh, highest performing FPL in Bangladesh as well, he is. And then um, Johnny Briggs, though, is top of the league right now with the Den Donkeys. Only 51 points for him. A little bit of a poorer week for him, but still overall rank 44th. And highest in Northern Ireland as well. Number one in Northern Ireland. Yeah, Johnny uh, still leading the league in spite of the fact that he joined me in captaining Sergio Aguero. He was the only player in the top 10 in our mini league that didn't captain Salah this week. Yet he still holds on to the top spot there. And he's first in all but one of his mini leagues. So I don't think he can complain all that much. So let's move on to our transfers and captains ahead of the coming game week 26. Holly, what are your plans? 
I'm really stuck with what to do at the moment purely because there aren't a lot of options around. So I'll definitely be transferring out one of Vardy, Madison, Lundstrom or um, Stecklenberg just to bring in a, a playing second goalkeeper. It's probably... You see, Vardy probably needs the game, but then his underlying stats have picked up a little bit. So I don't know yet in terms of transfers. I've got two, though, so I might just wait till Friday, maybe have a bit more info, even around, you know, FA Cup, how that's going to pan out in the future. And then captaincy, it's between Salah and De Bruyne. And, you know, I might have to flip a coin on that. I do think Salah's the better option, but it's just the fact that there's such a big gap between the deadline and his game yeah interesting like look i i think i'm going to just save my transfers i'm in a situation where i have no wild card to play with and i don't see any pressing move that's necessary this game week and so i might not change anything and i think i might just captain aguero just for the hell of it because at this point i need to rescue my season and so i might as well just look to the same source for uh, inspiration yet again i'm also going to play todd cantwell against liverpool because i think it would just be typical for him to go and actually score now given that uh, we've <laughs> well, nick has relegated arch during this podcast so effectively i think i need to back them at this point <laughs> Nick, speaking of you, what do you think ahead of this game? So, so yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to get rid of John Lindstrom as well. And I was thinking about Joe Gomez because um, it just um, gives me more money, to be honest. But, you know, I've, I've somehow persuaded myself to actually think I think I want Robertson. So if I do um, Lindstrom to Robertson, I, I'm probably going to have to take a hit because it's minus 2.2 million after that. And I think there's two midfielders that are probably going to be leaving soon. One is it was Jack Grealish because of the blank in game week 28, but that only gives me 4.3 million to spend, which is very, very little. Um, so it's either him or I just finally just get rid of Madison, who's not got any sort of return in, in weeks on end, isn't it? So uh, I think Madison probably will be the man that goes. If I get rid of Madison, I can bring in Campwell and I can play him as well, actually, and uh, cheer him on, or maybe not, because I have double Liverpool defence. But if he does do something, at least I won't feel too <laughs> too pained. But of course, it's inevitably going to be a repeat of game week one, where, as Tom as Tom put it, Pookie will get a goal in the 87th minute and we'll all lose our double Liverpool defensive clean sheet. So that's probably what's going to be happening yet again this game week, isn't it? Probably indeed, yeah. Nostra Tom uh, striking there back in game week one. So I guess to wrap up the pod, th- thanks so much for coming on this week, Holly. Hope you enjoyed being on. We certainly enjoyed having you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Hopefully it won't take another three years before you get me back on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a fantastic guest. Uh, just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL or at WGTA underscore Nick. You can find Stag at FPL Stag. You can find Holly at FF Community. And uh, yeah, make sure to listen and subscribe to the pod. And, and the lead code is EIKX03. And there is, of course, a theme every week. In the last show, it was Scorsese films, so I thought that was a particularly hard one, but plenty of you got us. So well done to those who picked up on that reference. Uh, this week, there was a theme too, uh, much harder to get, so let's see if any of you get to it. You will 100% be called out if you get it. We'll be back to review the two-week Game Week 26 break. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. All the best. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Social Podcast Network.